Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. You're listening to Arrival Audio recorded live at Arrival Orlando 2019 and distributed here by Tourpreneur. Growth in most companies is hardly a straight line up, but more like an adventure course with plenty of downs as well as ups. In this operator story, James Blick, co-founder and COO of Devour Tours, shares lessons learned since its founding in 2012 to its expansion to seven cities across Europe. So people dream of a long summer in Barcelona tapas, all the kava you can drink, the Mediterranean at your doorstep. Well, in 2017, I spent a long summer in Barcelona, but it was not a dream. In fact, it was a low point and a turning point in the story of Devour Tours. And I think a better representation of that summer, instead of the, the, the beautiful Barcelona skyline, is this disheveled bedroom in a crappy apartment that I was in for three months, uh, working feverishly. My co-founding partner, Lauren, was there for, for much of the time as well. And what I want to tell you guys today is the story of how we got there and how we got out of there. Uh, it's a story of, of the challenges of growing your company, uh, particularly when it's the first company you've ever started. And so just a little bit about the company, a little bit about me. Uh, we launched in 2012 in Madrid, and we now run food tours in uh, Madrid, Barcelona, you can read, mainly in Spain, but also uh, in the broader Europe uh, area. Interesting for this, for this presentation is to know that we were only in Spain until this year, and that will provide you a little context. And then you have some of the size of our staff and things like that. When I was preparing this presentation, Douglas said to me, he said, I want to know more about your, your misses than your hits, more about your failures than your successes. That made me very nervous. Um, but my wife said to me, uh, honesty and authenticity shows strength. So I'm going with that theory. Let me start off with how it all began. Uh, I was working in Madrid in 2012 as a travel writer, and I met my co-founding partner, Lauren, uh, and it all began over a plate of grilled lamb thymus glands. You can see these here. And so what happened is I was working as a travel writer. She had just started giving a, a food tour a couple months beforehand and was, was doing a little bit of... Uh, content marketing, she put a photo of these up on Facebook and said, does anyone know what these are? I knew what they were, I responded correctly, and she sent me a message and said, hey, we should meet. She was looking for guides. She saw I was a travel writer and she figured I needed money. She was right. We met and we really hit it off. Uh, and instead of becoming a guide, we agreed that I would design the company's uh, second tour, our first evening tour, which I did. And really, when I think through the following six years, I've divided it into four stages that I hope are instructive uh, for everybody here and somebody, people who are going through this journey. Uh, and I've called stage one 
100% passion because when you start your first business, you don't think of it as a business. It's not, it's, it's personal. You know, you think of, you just want to give the best experience possible to your guests. So in these early days, Lauren gave the daytime tours, I gave the nighttime tours. Uh, we hardly saw each other. Uh, we did, of course, all the social media, all the marketing, all the customer service, we were doing all of that. This was a great time, and it's a really important phase, I think, particularly in food tourism, because this is the time when you're building your brand, because you're with customers every day, learning about their problems, but also you're, you're building your belief system, your company's belief system, and in the end, what a brand is, is a belief system. And if you build a great brand, that will differentiate you in a very crowded market, which is food tours. In these early days, we had meetings at our and in our apartments, it was very informal. There were no set systems. We, we weren't really looking to scale. And if you look at what we called the brand, it was called Madrid Food Tour. So we weren't thinking to go broader than that. Uh, you'll see it's very pixelated. That's because I don't even think we have a copy of that logo anymore. I pulled it off an old kind of Wayback Machine website. And so we didn't think we were going to go any further. But then our third co-founding partner, Lauren's husband, Alejandro, said to us, you guys are thinking too small. You need to, you, you know, I think we were talking about doing an olive oil tasting in Madrid. And he said, no, what you need to do is go to Barcelona and build a tour there. You guys are great at designing food tours. Go to Barcelona. So we thought, okay, let's go to Barcelona. So we went to Barcelona, and in three weeks, we rented an apartment, and we ate everywhere in the neighborhood. It was a very non-scalable way to design a food tour. Uh, but instructive. My wife came as well. <laughs> And we designed the Barcelona tour, and we started offering this Barcelona tour. And it went well. We hired an operations manager. And of course, at that point, we had to update the brand. And so it became Devour. Devour Madrid, Devour Barcelona. And the key to the success of this period is really that it's all about passion. It's about giving great experiences. It's about speed. We were operating very, very quickly. We were changing things from one day to the next. It's about hybrid roles. Lauren and I were doing a bit of everything. I think at some point I was called the field director, whatever that means. And at this point, there's little in the way of misses. I'm sorry, Douglas, but Douglas, you will like the next stage, which is passion-led growth, because this has plenty of misses. This is where what you do, in my opinion, I left the dates off, I made a mistake. This is 2016 and 17. This is where you leverage your passion to scale your company, but you don't balance it with all the skills and systems that you need to bring in as you're building your company. There's more people on your team. So in Madrid, Barcelona, we add Seville. And at this point, we're thinking that maybe what we are is actually like an unofficial tourism board of Spain. And so we add Malaga as well. And then we have this great idea that we shouldn't just promote destinations, we should sell Spanish wine, because we love Spain and we're promoting Spain. So in our office, and this is where people are coming in where we're working, we thought we'll sell the wine when they come in. Looking back, it seems insane. And we just, we kept on going. And by 2000, the beginning of 2017, we were in eight destinations in Spain. We'd gone really deep into the country. And at this point, uh, you know, you have to be very careful of complexity in your business. We didn't realize that at this point. So we're, we're, we've got about 15 staff, eight cities, and at this point, that Barcelona operations manager that we hired in 2014 decides to move back to the States. So we have to hire. Now, at this point, we don't have set recruiting systems as such. You know, you're, you're hiring on gut, you're hiring on instinct, you're cherry-picking interview questions from blogs, and you're like, oh, that looks like a good one, I'll ask that. And that's how you're running your whole hiring system. And so we hired a person in Barcelona, and I got the feeling after about a month, oh, this, I don't know if this is going to work. Not sure if this is going to work out. And so 
the problem is also, as well as having not good recruiting systems, we don't have good onboarding, good training, good leadership systems. Again, it's on gut, and you don't even know what really leadership is. And so with a wobbly hire, you don't really have a good chance of making that work either. So I decided to let this person go. So I moved back to Barcelona, we're back in that room, and I fired her. I, think, I don't think she was right for the role, but nor did I have a good way of making a good shot of it. And this meant I had to take over the operations of Barcelona. We're in summer 2017 now. And it was a very hard summer. Lauren came as well. We're working there. And we're feverishly trying to get things going. We're hiring. We're training guides. We're looking to hire a new operations manager. You're trying to stabilize this thing. And it's at this point that you realize something's not working. Something's changed. All those things that we needed at the beginning, the passion, the speed, the hybrid roles, they don't really work anymore. The speed, you know, we, we redesigned some tours about this point, and we moved too quickly, and we caused whiplash to the guides and the vendors, and we lost some trust. The hybrid roles, I think Lauren and I at this point were both called managing director. What provided flexibility in that first stage, now it's confusing for your team. Uh, and we're in Barcelona in the weeds, and in Madrid, our team in Madrid is now remote to us who are in Barcelona, and they're feeling ignored and unled. And at this point, we see we have certain tours that are passion projects. We didn't realize it back then, but they don't have a strong business case behind them. They're great tours, but they don't have a strong business case. And some of these th cities that we've launched in Spain, they're not growing like the first three. Something's not working. And it was exhausting. We were running on adrenaline. We were tired. I remember my wife came to visit uh, to have dinner, and I fell asleep at dinner. Your team is tired when you're running like this as well. But it's the only way you know how to operate, because you're an entrepreneur. Ironically, we went then in fall 2017, actually went to the first arrival conference. We went to also to the Global Food Tourism Conference in Montreal, and we won the award for growth, <laughs> which is ironic given the, the presentation I'm giving today, and ironic with what we were about to do in the company in 2018. And what's interesting is at this point in a business is where I think a lot of entrepreneurs have to, have, have to make a choice. You're either going to get out or you're going to figure it out. And both are valid options. The get out one is you, you just go, I didn't get into this for this. It's gotten too big for me. Do you like what you hear on this podcast? If so, join us at an upcoming arrival event to hear from the brightest minds in travel, get hands-on learning to help advance your tour activity or attraction business, and partake in the best networking ever. Head to arrivalevent.com to register and to learn more. So the get out is you sell it or you close it down. The figure it out is that you bring someone on maybe to run it for you or with you, or you learn how to run a company at scale. And you learn those things that they don't teach you in school and they don't teach you when you first had that great idea for this tour. And so we went into stage three, which is one year of change. That was last year. And change is hard and change is slow. And the thing about change is that as an entrepreneur, you want to go fast, you want to move fast, but once you have 15, 20 people on your team, you're no longer a speedboat, you're now a ship. And you can only go through change at the speed your team is comfortable with, not the speed that you are comfortable with. So what do we do? We put in place systems. I became COO, Lauren became CEO. We set up recruiting, leadership, uh, training systems. We figured out the clarity and the structure of the company. People knew what they were doing, put in director-level positions. We also looked at those tours that were passion projects, 
and said, is there a business case here? Because as great as those tours were, they're no good to anyone if they bring the company down around it. At this point also, our vision shifted. People were asking us, our clients were saying, hey, we'd love to do your tour in Paris or Rome. Are you guys in Lisbon yet? And we'd always thought that our secret weapon was the fact that we were Spain experts, but what we started to realize is no, our secret weapon is that we have learned, we believe, how to build great food tours and train guides. And so we can pair, we can combine, we can match up with people in other cities uh, who are local experts, and that's how we can grow Devour. But if we were going to do that, we had to get our house in order. And so we closed down some of those cities. We cut them in half. We closed four cities. We started 2018 with eight cities. We ended it with four. And what we did then is we moved into this next stage, which we're currently in. It's obviously a work in progress. Passion-supported growth. This is where you still have passion, but you're not using it to blindly grow your company. You're building into that passion the skills and the lessons and the systems that you need to scale a company. And this is all with hindsight, by the way. I had no idea a year ago, even a lot of this stuff. And so at the beginning of 2019, we had our first team summit. We brought everyone together in Seville. We ate, drank, we celebrated. We dyed our tongues blue to see who was a super taster. It's a fun game. If anyone wants to know about it, I'll tell you guys later. Uh, I found out earlier the only photo of me in this presentation is wearing the exact same shirt as I'm wearing today, which is a little embarrassing. I have other clothes. <laughs> And it was incredible that we gave presentations here and we could feel the passion in the room, but something had changed. By going through change, people now had more forethought. They slowed things down. Change, this period, this, this passion-supported growth looks and feels slower, but it's faster. It's the old adage, you've got to slow down to speed up. And in spring this year, we opened in three new cities outside of Spain. Rome, Paris, and Lisbon. I'll tell you what, it felt a lot easier to do that than it had been to go to Barcelona for a summer because we'd set up the system around it. And this wouldn't have been possible a year ago. The other thing that wasn't possible a year ago, I wasn't supposed to be on this stage. My co-founding partner, Lauren, was supposed to be here. And nine months ago, she said to me, do you mind speaking at Arrival? And I said, why? Why, do, why aren't you going to go? She said, because I'm pregnant with twins. So another thing that wouldn't have been possible a year ago is for Lauren to go on maternity leave for a leader in the company to step out and for it not to kind of, not collapse, it would have kept going, but to feel like a massive thing. We are still scaling. We're going to open new cities next year. And the CEO is on maternity leave. And that's what is possible when you move into this, this new stage, where you balance your passion with these skills. And I, I, I wouldn't have thought this was possible, you know, a year ago, and it wouldn't have been. So it's a pretty exciting place to be. So I'm the only person from Devour here. And I know I've whizzed through this pretty quickly. So if anyone has any questions, if you see me at the bar and you're earlier in your journey, come up and say hi. And I would you know, love to talk about kind of where you're at and because I've found it really interesting to go through this journey and to, and to go through my iPhoto and try and figure out where am I at, you know, to construct the past and learn about it. And if anyone's got the, is, is ahead in this journey, I'd love to buy you a drink because I want to find out what's coming up next. Thanks very much. Thank you, James. Thank you. <laughs> no, that, that was great. I, you know, one of, the, uh, one of the, the challenges I, you know, I hear from you know, a lot of the companies that I speak to, and actually, you know, frankly, at Arrival, you know, we go through the same thing. We're looking at, okay, when, 
can we afford to hire, can we add one more role this year? Do we, do we have this in the budget? Can we justify it? Like, yeah. So when do you think about, okay, bringing this staff member on full-time? When do I bring kind of marketing full-time versus just using someone kind of on the side? How, how yeah. do you kind of, as you're kind of building the business, when, how do you measure, like, when is it okay to take that, that, that risk? I think um, I don't have a really good answer because I feel like we're still learning how to run a business and, you know, still learning about the financial, you know, still learning these things. I would say what I've learned is never to set up something forever. So if you're thinking, hey, maybe I need someone in marketing, can you bring someone on for 10 hours a week? And maybe it's just a season and you don't promise the earth, you pilot something. You should never implement anything forever. It's always a pilot. You see how it goes, because then people get less scared, uh, because like, oh my God, we're going to do this new thing, and it's going to create a lot of work for me. But if you say it's just three months, we're going to see how it goes, then there's an end point. So I think if you say, we're going to try this, or maybe someone's doing uh, you know, customer service. We, you know, four years ago, we had customer service slash uh, marketing people. So maybe they can do 10 hours, and you just kind of see, and you don't, you don't promise anything, and then you can see and measure, is it having an impact? But you haven't made this big investment. I think that's how we've done it. Something else I also I see in so many companies uh, that are here is, you know, it starts with, like you said, it, it starts with a passion. I want to do this thing. I'm passionate about being on the water. I'm passionate about this destination or about the food in destination. But, you know, at some point, you, you have to let go of the passion, right? You can't, you, you can't scale a business and guide all of your own tours, right? And taste, <laughs> taste every meal and yeah. check every single every single guide, what was the, how do, how do you kind of personally, how did you kind of grow through that, that process, you and Lauren both, of, uh, of letting go? Was it, a, was it easy for you? Was it hard for you? I love guiding. I mean, I have a YouTube channel that allows me to keep guiding, but I also love running a company. I love people. I love leading people. I love strategy. So I think what you have to do, I mean, we, you know, something I wanted to say but it didn't say is that in that point when we were in Montreal, as well as winning that award, we met some business advisors that we've worked with ever since, some coaches, and that's been huge. And if you have the budget, when you're, if you're at that point where you're exhausted and you're like, oh my God, how do I get this working? And you're seeing people who are going on maternity leave in, in their business, like how does that happen? If you have the budget, I think coaching is a great idea. And I think what I learned is I learned to love the next stage. Uh, I love guiding and things like that, but I love running a business as well. And so I think it, for some people, maybe they don't love that. But you, that's why you can get out or figure it out. And one of the figuring it out is like bring someone in to run your business maybe. Maybe you can keep being a guide. That's possible. There's a lot of ways to do it. You don't have to become the CEO of a big company. Five years from now, <laughs> how many markets is Devour Tours in? Oh, man. Are you recording this? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. Probably, I mean, scale is easier when you have your when you have your stuff, I was going to say, when you have your shit together, scale is easier. Do you need to have a five-year plan or a two-year plan? We have a, a five-year plan, but we also have a two-year plan, and you've got to work backwards. Like, we're, I mean, these are not professional decisions. These are personal decisions. What do you want your life to look like in five years? And then make your company work for that and then build back. I don't, I don't know how many tours we, we would love to be. We'd have, love to be doing a lot more people than we are, and then we'll figure out the number of cities we need to feed that. But I have no idea. Like five years, like five years ago, I was guiding tours, so I really don't know. But I can see one thing is when you get to this point in the business, you can start to see the simplicity of the business. When I was in Barcelona, this was the most complex business in the world. 
but now I can see it with simplicity. And I think when you get that, you go like, okay, we can add more cities, um, and that's very doable. So yeah, we'll keep growing, we'll keep adding cities. We're currently recruiting for um, Florence and London, so that's for spring. And, but I think you have, to, you have to figure out what you want in your life, and then get your business to match that, and then just work back. Four year, three year, two year, one year. Okay, well, I have a long list of questions, but I'm going to have to leave them for the bar. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, James Blick. Are you interested in being a part of the arrival community of tours, activities, attractions, events, and experiences? Then join us at one of our events in the U.S., Europe, or Asia Pacific. Head to arrivalevent.com to learn more.